Do you love the birthday song? Yeah. yeah. Do you love having a reason to sing with your friends? Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you wish you had more reasons every day to break into song with strangers to mark mundane daily tasks? Um, yes. I think so. Totally. Then Joy's Joyful Songbook is the book for you. I, Joy Dolo, have written 87 cheerful tunes to commemorate the events that make our lives sing. Among these darling ditties, you'll find a song to cheer on people as they parallel park. Back into the space with a smile on your face. Don't hit the other car. Now you're a parking star. A song to greet your mail carrier every day. There's a piece of mail in your hand. What could it be? Is it a bill or a catalog? A special letter for me. A song to say good job to the diligent dog owner picking up their dog's doo-doo. Look at you, you picked up a poo, and now you get to walk across the land with a plastic bag of poop in your hand. A bag of poop in your hand. That's the background singers. Plus 84 other songs to make every day a day worth celebrating. And don't forget the song to celebrate the start of a new episode of Forever Ago. The most important one. This is Forever Ago, a history podcast to make your brains grow. Welcome to Forever Ago, where we explore the before. I'm Joy Dolo, and this is my co-host, Elise. Hi, everyone. You can't see this because this is a podcast, but Joy is literally surrounded by stacks and stacks of sheet music. It's true. But why? Well, I was at my great aunt's birthday party over the weekend. The cake comes out and literally the whole room at the same moment starts singing happy birthday. You know the song. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Uh. Happy birthday to you. That's the one. And, And it hit me. Everyone in this room knows this song. In fact, everyone at every birthday party I've ever been to knows this song. And it's not just in the United States. This same happy birthday song is sung in different languages all over the world. Joyeux anniversaire. And it's not just on Earth. The Mars Curiosity rover sang happy birthday to itself on the planet Mars. Happy Birthday is the most famous song in the solar system. I mean, I get it. That song is so catchy, so easy to learn. So I thought to myself, Joy, you have an amazing ear for music. You do. Joy, you have a way with lyrics. Absolutely. Joy, you should try to write the next most famous song in the solar system. I mean, how hard could it be? Well, I have no doubt in your songwriting skills. 
But it took a pretty unique set of circumstances and some extraordinary people working really hard to write the birthday song. Hmm, tell me more. Maybe I can recreate this perfect storm of musical world domination. I bet my picking up poop song could go viral. No song has really cornered that market yet. Okay, I'll tell you how the birthday song happened. Settle in as I bring you the tale of the remarkable, unbreakable, unshakable Hell Sisters! Ooh, I got my popcorn and my comfy pants on. I'm ready. It's the late 1860s. There's no internet, no television, no radios. People could send messages using telegraph machines. The first way to send long-distance messages quickly. Ooh, yeah. You could send a code of little beeps that could be translated into words letter by letter. Doesn't seem fast now, but before that, you had to send letters that would be carried by foot, horse, or train. And this is right after the Civil War. That's when the United States was at war with itself. The main reason? Slavery. It was the South versus the North, the Confederacy versus the Union. Our story takes place in Kentucky, which was right on the border between the North and the South. Slavery had just been outlawed, and Louisville, one of the biggest cities in Kentucky, was growing fast. And this is where the Hill Sisters grew up. Mildred, Patty, and Jessica. Mildred, Patty, and Jessica. Okay, there was also another sister and two brothers, but it didn't fit with the Hamilton bit I wanted to include. Fair. The Hill kids had parents who believed they should all be educated and go to college, even the girls. Ooh, that was unusual back then. Definitely. They were also encouraged to not worry about getting married and focus on work that was meaningful to them. Whoa, double unusual. Yeah, so that's exactly what they did. Jessica went on to become a professor at Columbia University in New York City, and Mary became a school superintendent in Louisville. Dang! But today we're focusing on... Mildred and Patty. The two Hill sisters who brought you the birthday song. First up, we have Patty. That's me. I've been called the godmother of childhood. That's because Patty developed kindergarten in the United States, at least how we know it today. I loved kindergarten. Thanks, Patty. Before me, school was a bit, well, uptight. I made sure my kindergartners were free to play, be creative, and try out their problem-solving skills. She knew all about the latest education research. She helped set up special colleges for teachers. And like her sister Jessica, she eventually ended up a professor at Columbia University. But being with the kids is the best part of my job. The other half of this dynamic duo is Mildred. Mildred loved music. I played piano and the organ. I composed songs, and I was also a music critic, a historian, and an ethnographer. That means she traveled around recording the folk songs and church music being sung at the time. But back then, you couldn't just stick a microphone in front of someone and capture their sound, because the gear you need to record people didn't really exist yet. So how did that work? It's true. We didn't have recording devices like you do. But we had pen and paper, so I transcribed them. That means I wrote down the melodies I heard as musical notes, like what you'd see on sheet music. Hey, I love sheet music, too. You Hill Sisters are the best. You're pretty spiffy, too, Joy. Mildred also transcribed street cries. 
What's a street cry? You know when you're at a baseball game and you hear, hot dogs, hot dogs, get your hot dogs. That's a street cry. Right. Back in my day, street cries were how people told each other what they were selling. We didn't have those tiny black rectangles you all seemed to use to find the news and buy things. So we had people literally walking down the street calling out what they had for sale. Here are a few examples. Get your cool. Strawberries, strawberries. Ripe cherries, ripe cherries. Here's your morning papers. Wow, what a musical world you lived in. I'm glad you see it that way. Music is everywhere if your ears are open to it. And here's where the dynamic duo teamed up. I believed a kindergarten classroom needed to have good, simple songs to engage our little learners. Good, simple melodies that were easy for children to sing and remember. And good, simple lyrics that could find their way into their hearts forever. So they got to work. Mildred would compose a melody and Patty would write the words. (laughs) Happy Monday morning, uh, whether rain or shine. Then Patty would share the song with her students. Happy Monday morning, whether rain or shine. Little children start from home and run to school by nine. And if it seemed too hard for the class to sing and remember, she brought it back to Mildred and they made changes. Maybe, uh, maybe a little more repetition. Yes, and I think if we simplify this phrase here. And repeat until they were happy with the result. That's how this melody was born. La 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 Whoa! That's how Happy Birthday was written? Okay, I didn't realize it was so much work to write a world-famous song. Well, it was a lot of work, but it was also a little luck, which is a pretty good spot for a cliffhanger. Right, Joy? Ooh, Elise, you're getting good at this. Are we the new dynamic duo? I think we might be. (gasps) Then you must be thinking what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. It's It's time time for... It's the game where we try to guess the order things came in history. Today, we've got birthday cakes, pinatas, and wrapping paper. Okay, Elise, which one of these do you think is oldest? I think it was birthday cakes. Oh, birthday cakes is the oldest. Okay, do you, do you have a, a guess why? Um, I think it's because of the recipes. Like, people already had had, um, I don't know, like, stuff to make it, maybe. Mm. So I would say that one for the first one because of, of how easy it kind of is to make. Yeah, like a sweet bread. It's like, of course, they've been making sweet bread for forever. Yeah. So we have birthday cakes as the oldest and then pinatas and wrapping paper as the other two. Okay. So I would say wrapping paper for the second one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And why I would say that is because, I mean, you have to do this for Christmas, for presents. So I would say it's probably been around for a pretty long time. Yeah. Because um, people have been giving presents and receiving them. So I think it's been around for a qu- quite a bit. 
Wrapping paper has been a necessity forever. Yeah, exactly. I need presents yesterday. Like, (laughs) get that wrapping paper, y'all. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And then lastly, I would say piñatas because um, piñatas is kind of like a a tradition for some cultures. Mm. So it kind of most... I would say most recently because it hasn't been, like, a really big thing. But, yeah, I would say that's the newest one because it's kind of at birthday parties most of the time. But sometimes it's not. That's true. You know, I actually had a backyard party and I got a pinata just for fun. Nice. We'll be back with the answer after the credits. So keep listening. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. Hello, Forever Amigos. It's me, Joy. And it's me, Elise. And I'm trying to figure out how to write a world-famous, nay, solar system-famous song. So far, we've learned that the Happy Birthday Melody was designed by sisters Mildred and Patty Hill to be easy to remember and fun to sing. And the sisters did lots of different versions to get it right. So that's a lot of work. But what was the luck? Well, that melody was not originally called Happy Birthday to You. What? It was called Good Morning to All. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Good morning, dear children. Good morning to all. Okay, mind blown. So you're saying there's still hope for Look at You, You Picked Up a Poo, if I get the right lyrics? Um, I mean, maybe. So how did a good morning song morph into the happy birthday song we all know and love? Kids and teachers love the melody, and they started using it for all kinds of songs. It could be a song to say goodbye at the end of the day. Goodbye to you all. Goodbye to you all. Ooh, maybe cleaning up. It's time to clean up. It's time to clean up. Or picking up your dog's poo. No, Joy. Or celebrating a birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. And here's the thing about birthdays. Everyone has one. And sometimes people get together for a party or gathering to celebrate. And it's fun to sing with your friends. Exactly. And the song was already so catchy. And the lyrics were so easy to remember. So it quickly spread through the community. But how did it get beyond Louisville? 
we published our music. The book was originally called Song Stories for the Kindergarten. Teachers across the country and the world started using it, and the book was translated into several other languages. Okay, wow. I've definitely got my work cut out for me. Yes, you do. And if you don't mind, I'd like to brag on my sister's behalf for just a moment. Not only did she write a solar system famous song, her work helped inspire this. I know that song. It's Antonin Dvorak's New World Symphony, a very famous piece of classical music. That stuff is my jam. But how did Mildred's work inspire it? Well, let's talk about what music was popular back then. Remember, this was over a century ago. The United States was a really young country, barely 100 years old. Right. And radios and speakers hadn't been invented yet. The only way people could listen to music was if they either made it themselves or listened to other people sing or play instruments. Maybe they would play music on their pianos at home or go hear their local symphony play classical music. And since the country was still young, symphonies in the United States mostly played classical music inspired by Europe. But some music lovers in the U.S. wanted to create their own American style of classical music. So they asked this famous composer named Dvorak for help. But wasn't he from Czechoslovakia? Well, yes. But he had done something similar in his home country. Ah, yeah. My boy Dvorak was great at taking traditional classical music and infusing it with local Czech tunes and folk songs to make something that was uniquely Czech. Right! So Dvorak comes to the U.S. to try to do something similar for American music. I asked my friend Michael Beckerman to help me explain. He's a musician and music historian. He very quickly becomes excited by the idea of African-American music. He comes to believe that anything called American music should be based on African-American music. So Dvorak starts doing research and reads an article that will play a huge role in his work. The article was this prescription for how to create a kind of classical music based on uh, African-American models, including six bits of music in musical notation, including Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and several other tunes. So I thought this was fascinating. After reading it, I became convinced that it had played a profound role in Dvorak's decision to, to use Black music as a basis for American music. And this article, the one that became so important to Dvorak's work, was written by Mildred. Excuse me, I need to interrupt. Antonin Dvorak? The Antonin Dvorak? Composer of the New World Symphony? At your service. Now, this is a lovely story, and I did read an article about Black music in the United States, but it was not written by a woman. It was written by a man named Johan Tonsor. Yeah, our music historian friend Michael was also pretty confused when he first came across the article. He wanted to learn more about this Johan. After doing lots and lots of searching, he finally discovered that there was no Johan. It became clear that the article had been written by a woman named Mildred Hill. 
Yes, guilty as charged. In my day, journals were not exactly eager to publish articles by women, so I used a fake male name, Johan Tonsor. Oh my. So you, the woman who helped write the birthday song, helped shape my symphony? You're welcome. Oh my gosh. Does that mean the birthday song and the New World Symphony are siblings? Or maybe cousins? Well, my symphony may not be as famous as the birthday song, but it has been called the most popular of all symphonies. So, not far off. But has your music been played in outer space? As a matter of fact, Neil Armstrong did bring a recording of the symphony to space with him for the first moon landing in 1969. Holy buckets! Another solar system famous song? Indubitably. Now, if you will, a little exit music, please. Bye, Dvorak. Yeah, thanks for the awesome music. So not only did Mildred and her sister write one of the most popular songs ever, the birthday song, she also helped inspire a famous symphony. She was hugely important to American music. Yeah, and Michael, the music historian, started discovering even more about Mildred's work the more he looked. I became more and more fascinated by Mildred Hill. Often, um, when you're on the trail of something really interesting, you find something even more interesting that you had no idea about that just shows up by chance. So Michael started looking at all of Mildred's work. The music Mildred was most interested in recording was the music being made by Black Americans, hymns from Black churches and street cries of Black vendors. And he says you can hear the presence of these street cries in Happy Birthday. You can see that some of these ideas like ba da da she has street cries, that look very much like Happy Birthday. So not only did Mildred help create popular American songs, but she also made those songs using inspiration from everyday American voices. Totally. The amazing thing is that during their lives, Patty was the more famous sister. And a lot of Mildred's story wasn't pieced together until fairly recently. Now it seems obvious that she was important. But it wasn't always that way. Michael says that's often how history works. I think as a historian, you have to own up to a couple of uh, critical truths, which is, you know, you access the past in, in many ways. You know, you have documents, you have letters, you might have photographs, images of various kinds. And at some point, somebody strings them all together and basically tells a story using those things. And if they're a good storyteller, it sounds to the listener as if that's the only story that could be told. But the fact is, with any collection of documents and things from the past, there are thousands of stories that could be told, all different, all with their own nuances. There's a lot about Mildred we'll never know. Her papers and letters were destroyed when she died. Oh, man, what a bummer. I'd love to know more about her work, her friends, the jokes she told, the people she loved, whether she had a melody perfect for a poop-picking-up song. We do know from the tributes after she died that she had a lot of close friends and did a lot for her community. She was just an amazingly beloved person in Louisville. 
Uh, people just adored her. And we'll always have the birthday song. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear friend. Happy birthday to you. Elise, thank you so much for sharing the story of the Hill Sisters with me. It's always a pleasure, Joy. You know, I think writing a solar system famous song might be a touch harder than I thought. You're probably right. <laughs> but the birthday song got me thinking. I really need to invent a new holiday. Everyone loves a holiday. How about Spoons Day, a day to celebrate spoons? Oh, or Sleepy Sundays. It's just a Sunday where you keep hitting snooze. I've done that before. No, I've got it. pants aversary. The yearly anniversary of the first time you wore pants. And there can be a pantsiata, a pinata shaped like pants. And it's full of actual pants. And this is so good. This is such a good idea. It's full of pants. You hit it and then pants fall out. Or a zipper unzips. It unzips and they fall out. No, no, it zips up. Oh, this is so good. Good stuff. This episode was written by Molly Bloom with production help from Nico Gonzalez-Whistler, Rosie DuPont, Anna Goldfield, Ruby Guthrie, Anna Wagle, and Aron Wuldeslossi. It was edited by Sandin Totten and Shayla Farzan. Sound design by Rachel Breeze. Theme music by Mark Sanchez. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. We had engineering help from Zach Hani and Eric Romani. The executives in charge of APM Studios are Chandra Kavadi, Joanne Griffith, and Alex Shafford. Many thanks to our birthday song singers, Andrea Bork, Angela Kim, Avery Truffleman, Jane Anderson, Kim Breeze, Max Barber, Molly Bloom, Raymond New, Ellie, and Anna Lee Rose. Special thanks also to Vernon Neal, Allison Thurston, and Lisa. Have a topic that you really want to know. The history of, send it to us at forevergo.org slash contact. Okay, Elise, ready to hear the answers for first things first? Yeah. Oh, great. Here it comes. I'm going to open it. Just a recap. If you remember, you chose the oldest as birthday cakes and then wrapping papers and then pinatas. Yep. Drum roll, please. Okay. So first up, the oldest thing was actually pinatas. Really? Yeah, pinatas is the oldest. We don't know exactly when these were first invented, but they're probably at least 800 years old. Whoa, that's as old as me. That's (laughs) (laughs) That's when explorer Marco Polo first saw people in China filling figures of animals with seeds, then covering them with colored paper and hitting them until the seeds came out. Kind of like my pants thing. It's going to catch on, I swear. (laughs) Historians believe the Aztecs may have also made something like piñatas by filling clay pots with tiny treasures, then covering them with feathers and hitting them with a stick until the treats fell out. Oh, my God. So it's been around forever. That's amazing. I did not see that coming. I really thought like birthday cakes would be the oldest one because of the cake thing. Thank you. Thank you. I I believe in you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everybody should believe in me. Believe in Elise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the second up uh, was birthday cakes, actually. It was second. So that was, yeah, that was invented in the 1700s, roughly. So ancient civilizations like the Egyptians and the Greeks did celebrate birthdays, and they might have served cake at these celebrations. But the birthday cake as we know it, with its layers and icing, first became popular in Germany in the 1700s. Germans celebrated kids' birthdays at parties called Kinderfest and put lit candles on the table. But instead of having kids blow them out, they'd let them burn all day until dinner and then eat the cake at dinner time. (gasps) 
Would you look at that? Wow. Yeah. I literally thought it was going to be like, oh, you know, there was like cornmeal that they lit on fire or something. <laughs> but this is a lot more interesting and more intricate. Very much so. And then last but not least is wrapping paper. I wrapping- cannot believe it, Joy. <laughs> did you just flip a desk over? <laughs> I almost did. I'm like, oh. <laughs> wrapping paper was invented in 1917. What? People have been wrapping presents for a long time. In uh-huh. Japan, people have used a reusable cloth to wrap presents since at least the 1600s. But wrapping paper first became a thing in the 1800s, around the same time people started sending Christmas cards. Wrapping paper became even more popular in 1917. Two brothers who ran a shop in Kansas City, Missouri, were using tissue paper to wrap customers' gifts during the Christmas season when they ran out. In a pinch, they used decorative paper that was usually used for lining envelopes. The wrapping paper was popular, and they began selling it year after year. And now we have wrapping paper. And those two brothers went on to found Hallmark. Oh, do you know those Hallmark cards? Yes. Yeah, those those guys did it. It was those no guys. No way. That's where Hallmark came from. That's like a whole other episode. Wow. <laughs> so what do you think about that? So we, I mean, it was it was pretty close. I I will say I was thrown. I did not. I was most surprised by the birthday cakes one. Which one mm-hmm. you were you most surprised by? I was definitely most surprised by the wrapping paper. Yeah. I was really surprised by that because I thought that that was like almost. I was actually almost about to put it first. Yeah, yeah. So now when you get your present this year for whatever holiday's coming up next, you'll know mm-hmm. that this is the newest thing. <laughs> it's a new <laughs> exactly. modern. I'm like, Mom, you can give me more presents now because it's, it's, it's the newest one. <laughs> yeah, it's a modern technology. Everybody, get wrapping paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're taking a break for the summer, but we'll be back in the fall with a whole new batch of Forever Ago episodes. And if you subscribe to our Smarty Pass, you'll get sweet bonus content from Forever Ago and the other shows in the Brains On Universe all summer long. Thanks for listening. 